Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the MedTech Podcast. You join me, your host, Karandeep Singh Badwell, and on this episode we have Yoshinaga Kazutaka, who is a medical doctor based in Japan and founder of MALP, an online medical questionnaire application. Yoshinaga graduated from medical school in 2014, and it was during his studies he began researching brain development, which led to the idea of his latest startup for developing an EAEEG platform. In this episode, he discusses how he got into medical entrepreneurship, the current demands within the Japanese medical market with a significant elderly population, differences in regulation in Japan, and his ambitions for future ventures. Welcome to the show, Kazutaka. How are you today? Um, yeah, nice meeting you. Um, it's around midnight, but I'm fine. How about you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. So okay. for the first question, you started your journey as a medical doctor. Where did yes. you eventually get the idea to open your own healthcare company, Malp? And what is it exactly that the product does? Uh, yes, uh, Malp is an online medical questionnaire services for hospitals. Um, while I was working as a doctor, I mean, it was like um, three years after graduation of medical university. Um, I was working as an internal medicine doctor um, and seeing outpatient clinic, yeah, outpatient. But uh, during that time, um, we are using paper medical questionnaire and also electronic medical record, EMR. Uh, but the combination between these two is not efficient. I mean, uh, patients first go to hospitals and then they have to write down paper medical questionnaire at the waiting room. But uh, we have to like scan the documents into PDF format and we have to retype patient answer to EMRs. Um, that is taking much time. And before we see patients, it takes about one minute to one, one and a half minutes for yeah, patients to come into like examination room. So I wanted to solve that problem. Um, yeah, that's my first idea. And yeah, like five years ago, I guess. Okay, so when you studied medicine, you know, most people would, you know, take the conventional path of becoming a doctor or specializing within a particular field. Yeah. What is it about entrepreneurship that took you down that route instead? Um, um, recently, there are more Japanese doctors who are doing entrepreneurship, but it's still minority around 1%, less than 1% of uh, medical doctors. For me, um, while I was like a medical student, I encountered like somehow like computer programming. And my friends um, like started up his own company while he was a medical student and he asked me to join this company. And I somehow like um, did like, computer programming to create website for company's homepage. Yeah, that's how I got into computer programming. So I, after that, I um, I was doing iPhone programming to launch like medical certificate applications for medical students. So then I got more into programming. Yeah. Okay, so being based in Japan, what are the differences you see in terms of regulation in comparison to Europe, UK, and the USA? Actually, I'm not familiar with uh, that compared to like Japanese regulation system compared to EU or other countries, but at least 
our solution, we are um, like creating medical online medical questionnaires. Like patients have to fill out online medical questionnaires with their smartphone, and then we just transfer those data to EMR. But in that case, it doesn't fall into like class one or class two like medical regulations. I think that's a bit different from yeah EU other countries. I mean, it's a bit loose regulations in terms of medical questioning, I guess. What do you okay. think about that? Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, like the medical device regulation that's now come out in Europe where previously software is a class one self-certified and now moving into category of a class two A. But it's interesting to hear Japan necessarily doesn't have that approach. So I suppose you have a lot more flexibility in that country than you would, you know, perhaps in the EU, the USA and the UK to some extent as well. Yeah, uh, but our service does not like suggest or any diagnosis uh, with our system. So uh, there are some competitors around my uh, field, like which does like su disease suggestion based on medical questionnaire. But in that case, we have to like consider a lot about wording, or I mean, and also how to deliver um, the message to patients, and it falls into class one, I guess. Okay, so I'm also aware that you're working on another product based on EEG technology. Okay. And when people think of EEG, they usually think of recordings via the head. However, as far as I'm aware, your product will compromise of electrodes being placed within the ear canal. Can you explain the advantages of such a system in comparison to the traditional methods? I think there are mainly two benefits. Um, by headset type, Patients have to go to clinics and then uh, set up um, inside the clinics. But with ear EEG, uh, you can put on like remotely anytime uh, where you want. And then researchers can see the patient's EEG results remotely as well. So I believe um, by like promoting ear EEG more, like um, how to say, um, we can find more correlations between disease yeah, brain disease problems and brain waves. I think that's the main yeah, benefit, okay. I guess. So what is it about EEG technology that got you into this product that you decided that this is something, did you spot a gap in the market or is this something that you've always been interested in? Um, when I was a medical student, I was doing like research on um, not brain waves, but brain activity. Uh, it was about em yeah, embryology. How to like, um, it's, very, it's a bit difficult to explain, but um, how our brains developed from, yeah, neonates. Yeah, I, I like scanned the mouse um, brain and like a kind of genetic mutate, uh, genetic stimulation and then we, uh, so, how the layers of um, brain is formulated. If, it, if the structure is disorganized, then we may have like Alzheimer's disease or other neurological disease. So I was doing that research for about four years when I was a medical student. And I, yeah, I was interested in brain waves or brain activity from that time. So yeah, we, I de developed this milk before, but after I finished zero to one phase, I somehow thought, yeah, maybe we should do another like challenging things. 
and then came up with um, yeah, brainwaves is one of the choice, was one of the choice. And I researched some, I looked up some uh, papers around EEG and one is from UC Berkeley or others from Denmark, but it is saying that even earphone type EEG can detect abnormal brain, uh, uh, abnormal like brain disease such as seizure or epilepsy. Well, that may be a good solution. Yeah, that may be, that it may be a huge potential, I thought, yeah. That's how I came up with this idea. No, I think it's a fantastic idea. Most students that I know of, they will go out and do these sort of fantastic research projects, get all this data, and then just file it away and think nothing of it. I like the fact that you've actually studied something and after you've qualified, you've actually decided to go out there and put the products you know, on the market, get something implemented so it can actually change. So I really like that about you. So going okay. on from that, what are your ambitions for the future? Are you looking to expand outside of Japan? Or are you looking to just work within the Japanese market? What are your ambitions? Uh, for my next project, I would like to go overseas and then start uh, my company there uh, because um, I did MELP for about four years and I thought that it was my first entrepreneurship. But uh, at that time, I thought that we first launch products in Japan for Japanese market. And then if we get succeed, then go overseas. But I now I think that this process is a bit slow. And I think there are two main reasons. Because first, language problem. Uh, Japanese people speak yeah, mostly only Japanese and do not, yeah, do not speak Eng English. So it's a bit difficult to like change the project products from Japanese to um, English. But and the second is um, Japan has a decent market. I mean, there is the population is 100 million. So we think that yeah, Japanese market is not big enough, but it's enough. So uh, when we launch our product and capture Japanese market, we thought, yeah, that may be okay. So we may lose ambitious to go overseas. So I thought for my next uh, project about year easy, um, it's better to go outside of Japan and then recruit members um not from japanese yeah so maybe we should start think from globally yeah from the beginning that's my next approach i mean yeah okay and if there's anyone listening to the podcast today that can help you <laughs> i'll definitely put them in touch with you so knowing what you know now as a founder of a medical company what advice would you offer to somebody out there who's perhaps now looking to start their own company healthcare field is a bit tough to like make money, I guess. And in Japan, there are more doctors who are doing, yeah, who start up their own company, but they are also at the same time doctors, not businessmen. So um, they do not seek profits so much. I mean, that, that's also a good thing because they are thinking of patients. And uh, I do not know about the other countries, but we as a medical doctors, like we are told that the, it's not good to make money um, from patients or like from doing business, yeah, because we are doing like medical things or helping patients. So um, at least Japanese like healthcare company uh, tend to seek like making profit for afterwards. Then, but we are doing business, so we have to think of how to make 
make a profit at the same time from the beginning. That that's my message. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So always keep that ethical thought in mind. But if you can make money yeah. ethically, Taking correctly, really yeah, there's there's no shame about that at all. Okay. So when it comes to medtech, a lot of people think of UK, EU, USA, and even Israel. However, I know that there is a lot going on in Asia that's perhaps not being talked about in the Western world. What are the current trends in Japan and in the Asian region in general when it comes to medical technology? Um, in Japan, like I think it's similar to US or other markets, but telehealth is one big keyword. And uh, since COVID, um, less patients want to go to clinics in person. So more telehealth companies like online video conference is expanding. Yeah. So I think, I don't think it's much change or unique things compared to US or UK. If I come up okay. with some of them, yeah, I will let you know. Okay. Are there any particular areas in medtech that you feel Japan would benefit from in terms of growth? And if so, what are they? Um, one possibility is that for like health, uh, nursing care, I mean, no, not nursing care, uh, elderly care. Like Japan is an aging society. So one of the most aging societies in the world. So how to care elderly is based on technology. Some startup companies are doing that. So like um, putting sensors inside uh, inside a house, elderly house, and try not, yeah, try to detect uh, when, uh, how they are doing inside the house because there are a lot more elderly uh, living alone, separate from their families. So it is very important to notice how they are doing, yeah, from the outside. That kind of technology, yeah, is necessary in Japan. And maybe we have, um, in terms of issues, we we are going ahead. I think so. Yeah, that maybe some potentials for Japanese market and then go overseas. Okay, and when we talk about an aging population, we have to assume that a lot of them are not familiar with technology. You know, the younger generation are quite comfortable using smart technologies. Do you also find that is an issue in Japan or do you feel as though the companies have found a way, like you were saying, remote monitoring to overcome that issue? Yeah, I think it's very difficult. Everyday people, especially beyond 80s, do not use how to um, use smartphones or they are not familiar with that so at least like try to make the products as simple as possible is uh, yeah like just pressing that button and then like uh, video conference appears like that so just doing one or two things and then the solution appears that kind of like UI or UX is necessary I think Okay, so you clearly come across somebody who enjoys what they do and as a result, invest most of the time into their work and their business. However, what do you get up to outside of work? What do you get up to relax or, you know, maybe change your mind for that day? Um, actually, I'm kind of working alcoholic, especially zero to one phase. I constantly want, constantly want to build up something new. But other than that, maybe yeah, I do some jogging or like taking care of kids. Yeah, uh, my second baby was just born two days ago. Yeah, 
I haven't seen her yet because uh, since COVID times, uh, we cannot see like my wife while she while she is at hospital. But yeah, and taking care of kids is. Congratulations on your second child. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> completely unaware. I mean, very dedicated <laughs> to be here after two days of having a child. Yeah, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. So the healthcare system around the world varies quite a lot. You know, in the UK, it's free and also in some extent in the EU, whilst the USA has an insurance-based system. What's the setup like for Japan and what are the current challenges that the healthcare system there faces? Um, yeah, maybe, you know, uh, Japanese, uh, Japan has national healthcare system. So uh, patients, patients' health insurance is covered by nationally. So it's very cheap. Just patients have to just have to pay 30% of uh, medical fee. But um, still medical fee is growing up. I mean, Japanese government cannot sustain uh, knowing that the, that system cannot be sustained any longer. So um, elderly people's like um, 10 years old, they just have to pay 10% of medical fee, but now it increased 20% or 30%. Or people who has a lot of money, earns a lot of money have to pay or something like that. So yeah, I think it's a bit, it's getting a more difficult to sustain this national health insurance system because uh, aging society we are now facing, and also working force uh, from 15 years old to 64 is declining. So, yeah, that's that's very difficult. And also, um, we do not have GP systems like in the UK. So, and also medical fee is cheap. So many patients rush to sometimes rush to big hospitals. So allocation of like three years old patients is very difficult. Okay. Oh, what are the current challenges that your company is facing? And if there is anyone in my network who may be able to help, what would you ask them for support on? Um, our system is being used for more than 1,000 hospitals in Japan, so which has the largest market share, but we would like to go overseas as well. So we are making these products in English or other local, supporting other local languages now. So. Um, yeah, somebody who want to like get in, interested in our system or who want to use our service, let me know. Yeah, I was. I am now targeting India or Singapore or other APEC countries and also Kenya, yeah, African market as well. So, yeah, please let me know if you get interested in our system. No, definitely. If I come across anybody, if there's anybody listening today, I'll be more than happy for them yeah. to get in touch with you. So another topic, of course, is funding. When we look at a lot of medical products out there in the world, uh, some companies are very fortunate where the government provides supports and grants. Mm -hmm. Is such a system available in Japan? How does a typical medical company go about funding? Is it usually privately invested, the government, or a blend of both? Um, yeah, there are government supports. Um, it's a kind of bidding system, but... Uh, especially not software, but hardware technology requires a lot of money. So they get investment from private company. Um, it's some, uh, some BC, BC uh, like particularly focuses on like healthcare hard tech company. So they invest more money for healthcare hard, hard tech company. And also um, they may get subsidy from government 
for example, um, how much was it? One million dollars, yeah, per year for research or creating products. One million, yeah, one million dollars. So, but okay. there are a lot of paperwork for the getting subsidies. So it may, yeah, it is good to get subsidy from government, but a lot of paperwork maybe does not like match with startup phase. Like, yeah, they want to grow faster and faster. Okay. So you touched on, you know, expanding into the APAC market, you know, looking into places like India, Kenya, etc. What are the trends that you are seeing in that region in comparison to like the UK and EU? You know, what are the demands in the APAC region when it comes to medical technology? Obviously, you mentioned telehealth, but what are the other products or, you know, services that countries like that are looking for? I think APEC market and also like Southeast Asia, some countries lack of doctors resource. So telehealth solution is much more important than developed countries. Um, Singapore is a bit different, but other countries, I think so. Um, and also pharmacy has a big role. I mean, prescribing antibiotics, not from clinics, but also, but pharmacy, yeah, plays a role in that area. So like um, telehealth and how to supply and deliver like, medicine, like how to create those networks, it's more important, I guess. And yeah, there are some companies, um, startups doing that. Okay. So when it comes to the Japanese market in general, would you say that there's now a surge in artificial intelligence devices, or do you feel as though we're still in the early stages yet? Um, about imaging, CT or MRI, it's already growing. Um, yeah, they some startup company work with Fujitsu or NEC, like big company, like in Japan. So about AI imaging, it's already like mature phase, I guess. But other than that, like for example, like um questionnaire service like i am doing like we have to do nlp or text like analyzing that's still an early stage i think Babylon health is going ahead but in japan it's a bit early stage i guess um other than that but um i cannot come up with now but yeah Imaging solution, yeah, is mature, I guess. Okay. So as a doctor who studied in Japan, what I find here, at least in the UK, is medical students are not often taught about medical devices in terms of how they're regulated and how they're brought onto the market. Is that a similar system in Japan or is it something no. that you actually do get training on? It's similar. Yeah. Okay. We've never thought about like medical devices like or regulations before. Yeah. So after I launched this product, MELP, I had to like research about classification or medical regulations. So before that, I, I didn't know, yeah, at all. Okay, so the first time you came across the term medical devices was probably when you was trying to launch this product, if I'm correct. Yes, I okay. had to do that, yeah. <laughs> And what were the challenges that you faced? You know, were you able to find the support out there? Is it something that you learned yourself as you went along? Um, um, 
if I find the material, I understand the classification, but it's very, it's not about classification, it's more about wording or how to deliver messages. I mean, like, like putting words is more difficult, I guess, the gray zone. I mean, for example, medical questionnaire service, uh, when we like try to make a diagnosis just based on medical questionnaire, we cannot say like, based on your answer, you have like 80% possibility of like, like uh, how to say, um, brain stroke, for example. That, that kind of message, uh, if we do that, it's kind of making a diagnosis, yeah, not from doctors, but from systems. So yeah, that kind of wording or delivering message, even the health ministry of Japan doesn't know. So yeah, that wording is the most difficult part for me. Yeah, I completely agree. So when we did my work within quality and regulatory affairs, the first thing that I ever do before working with a client is ask for an intended use statement. What is your products? What are the claims that you can legally make? And that provides the framework for the product itself. Otherwise, like you know yourself, it leads to issues in the future. Yeah, and also, but startup company, uh, we build something new of, as a front runner. So we have to like, um, more doing lobbying for like health ministry, I guess. I mean, they they are not making they are not making products, so they regulate like tightly uh, in general. So we have to loosen our that their regulations by like um, by putting more results or like yeah putting more research for them. Yeah, that's what startups have to do as well. Okay, so with the emergence of software, what I found around the world was previously when it came to regulating software medical devices was to do with maybe the software that was installed on a machine for operation purposes. But obviously now over the last few years, we're having medical devices that are purely software based and the regulations don't go into a lot of detail for that, which can make it confusing. What is the Japanese regulation like when it comes to software devices? And is there still a bit of a gray area where perhaps the regulation is so focused on hardware that when it comes to software, it's a little bit difficult? Yeah, hardware regulation is kind of matured, but software, there are many, many gray areas still. Yeah. So, yeah, um, about the questionnaire as well, there are many gray areas. It's more about wording or how to deliver messages. And also um, in Japan, like first, like medical application has launched. I mean, like um, hypertension applications, like doctors, just doctors can see patients periodically, like once a month or twice a uh, once in two months. So, but during that time, patients have to take care of their lifestyles by themselves. So some applications recommend what kind of lifestyles they have to do, like not eat too much salt, for example. That kind of medical application, software application is now launched in Japan and it's, um, it's passed their clinical research. So I think more and more kind of like um, those kind of software application will be now, um, yeah, um, use in Japan and then 
by prescribing those applications by doctors, doctors, doctors can get, hospitals can get like money, I mean, for that. So I think software regulations will be more de I mean, detailed or yeah, Japanese government will focus more on software regulations from now on. Kazutaka, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. And I'm going to ask the question that I always ask my guests towards the end. And if you could only give one piece of advice to the listeners today, what would it be? Starting up a new business is a lot of fun. So if you get interested in like some, creating something new, uh, healthcare field is a bit tough for, in terms of regulations, but it's worth trying it. That's my message. Thank you very much for that, Kazutaka. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to episode 12 of the MedTech podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe. If you want to learn more about Kazutaka, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or visit his website, links of which I will leave in the description below. If there are any particular guests or topics you'd like for me to discuss in future, then also feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn.